Hey everyone, you are listening to the Commitment to Growth podcast. This is your host, Mariana speaking, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the show. Hello, hello, welcome, hola, como están? <laughs> A little Spanish for you today, that means hi, how are you? Uh, it is so lovely to have you here today, and I want you here However you are today in whatever state you are with whatever you have today, I want all of it uh, because I have such a special conversation here for you today. I am so excited to share it with you finally. Ah! Um, <laughs> but anyways, I hope you're well before we get into it. Uh, hope you're well. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I hope that your end of the year is coming to a close. Again, it is like mid-November 2022 as I'm recording this and it's flying by and I just hope that you are taking time for yourself and being mindful and being present and taking time to be in the present and to relish in what the present is offering you right now instead of you know looking ahead to the new year or the holidays, which even though that's all super, super exciting, uh, relish in what you have with you today and right now. Um, and I really think that this conversation is all about that. And I am so excited to bring it to you today uh, because it's something a little bit different that I don't think I've had on the show before, but it's definitely a side that I have been meaning to and really, really want to bring more to the show given that I am now a licensed personal trainer. Uh, fitness is a huge part of my life. If you've been here long enough and you've heard me mention it multiple times on the podcast, how it's just such a vessel for personal growth and personal development and self-discovery. And I could not think of two better people to have this discussion with today. The two incredible women that I am bringing to you today are Amy Smith and Emma Skog, who are two of my closest friends that I had the privilege of meeting uh, in university at the University of Victoria, where we all attend and we are all uh, in the process of attaining our bachelor's in kinesiology, which for those of you that don't know is essentially exercise science, uh, exercise physiology. It's the study of human movement in all its forms and such a fantastic degree. I absolutely love it. Um, so I had the beautiful privilege of meeting these two incredible women there amidst our mutual passion for fitness and exercise and studying that and helping people become more fit and what that looks like in a holistic way among many, many other things. And tell me, tell you a little bit about both of them. So you get a little bit of background. So Amy is a power lifter by trade. <laughs> recently, as I record this, uh, recently watched her powerlifting competition and Amy won first place in her weight category. So let's just give her a little snap there. Everybody, she absolutely killed it. It was so awesome to watch. Uh, so she, yeah, she's a power lifter. She is an aspiring strength and conditioning coach. She is also a spin instructor. Um, well, the most amazing playlist, uh, Death by Stationary Bike, if you happen to look it up on Spotify. Um, and she's also a wonderful poet. She's an artist, among many, many other beautiful things. And Emma Skog is the guide for Canada's Paralympic triathlete, Jessica Tuamala. And she has been in triathlon since 2014, so eight years now. Uh, she's a competitive athlete. She competes in cyclocross outside of triathlon. And 
one of the most beautiful, beautiful souls out there as well. So very well-rounded individuals. And I was excited to bring them together for this conversation, not just because uh, these are chats that we have had in our own time um, very passionately in our own conversations around the table between classes uh, that I just thought would be make such a perfect episode, but truly because everything that was talked about in this episode was what I wish I had heard when I started taking up athletics competitively, recreationally, but also just in general. I think that it's so easy to lose ourselves in the narratives that surround fitness today about, you know, how it has to be all about suffering and how so much of it has to do with body image and weight loss. And it's so guilt-ridden when it comes to, you know, quote unquote, skipping a workout and having a cheat meal. And so much of the things that were said today made me feel even at the stage in my life and my relationship with fitness, where I feel like it is purely for my enjoyment and is purely for my own personal growth. Um, I feel like so much of this conversation just made me feel like I had the permission to let myself indulge in fitness, to let fitness be something that is enjoyable, not just filled with suffering. Um, and of course, there's something to be said about pushing yourself and what that feels like and how that contributes to your mental resilience, and you absolutely should, but it doesn't always have to take place in the negative form of suffering. So we are going to dive all into that today, giving yourself permission to enjoy athletics as an athlete, what it means to work smart, not hard, what it means to train within different seasons. So whether you're in competition season or an off season, what that can look like in terms of balancing social life, academic life, work life, relationships, um, untangling yourself from the notions that surround fitness culture today and getting yourself to a place where you are a more intuitive athlete that listens to your body to that listens to your body's cues that listens to when you're injured when you're hitting a threshold or when you can actually push harder all of those things are going to be talked about today which is super exciting because we've got the endurance perspective from myself and Emma as myself as a runner Emma as a triathlete and we've got the higher intensity weight training background from Amy so we are sandwiching our perspectives we are sandwiching our experiences and bringing you something so special and so near and dear to my heart and I cannot wait to show these two women off to you and show my friends off to you because they, you know, with everything aside of the incredible people that they are, they have just made such a grandiose addition to my life as two of my closest friends, two of my closest confidants, and they're just beautiful people. And I know that you're going to feel it in this conversation. So uh, with all that being said, if you can't tell, I'm really excited. I will get the ball rolling here. So without further ado, everybody, here are Amy and Emma. Before we do so, one quick note that I do want to say is that this podcast was recorded on the land of Iwasanish peoples, particularly the Sartlip, Sayout, Saikam, Pakuchin, and Malahat nations, who continue to have an ancestral relationship to the land to this day. I come as a settler, and I come as an uninvited visitor to these lands, and I acknowledge my positionality among these lands as uh, a privileged settler who had 
to do no work to be here. And I acknowledge that that gives me an immense amount of privilege and immense amount of responsibility in acknowledging what not having to fight for these lands means and how I can use that privilege to return it to the hands of the people who it rightfully belongs to. And on to the episode. Here are Amy and Emma for you. Alrighty, I am joined by two incredible powerhouse of women, Amy Smith and Emma Skog. Say hi, ladies. Hi. Hello, Emma here. (laughs) (laughs) And these two women I'm so excited to have on today because this conversation has been brewing for a very long time and I feel like we've Mm -hmm. been meeting to sit down and have it and we finally made the time amidst our busy schedules and it's a topic that is very near and dear to each of our respective big amazing hearts. (laughs) (laughs) So without further ado I'll let them introduce themselves to you if anybody would like to go first. (laughs) Okay Emmy's pointing at me. Go for it. it. Emma here. Obviously at UVic with Mariana as well, but I'm also in kinesiology, entering in my fifth year, although we're going to be taking five and a half years to get my degree done. (laughs) Not unfortunately, we're taking our time. Anyways, um, working on my honors thesis right now in the concussion research lab and long term maybe I'm thinking about either going into research in exercise physiology or maybe occupational therapy. We don't really know at this point. Um, In sports, I'm a triathlete. I've been in triathlon since 2014. Um, But the latest endeavors that I'm doing is I work with the paratriathlon Olympic team as a guide for a lady who is in the visually impaired division of triathlon. Yes, she does. And, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's been a journey that's been a lot of fun. I feel like it's going to come up a little bit later in the conversation, yes. but that is me. Yes, we watched her on TV at the Commonwealth Games this summer, not to flex <laughs> or anything. Yes, she is. She's on a magazine, everybody. Come on. Yeah. We're, just, so, we're just showing her off so, a little bit. Show yourself oh off God, a little bit. It's okay. Oh, my God, it's guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amy. Yeah, okay. And then um, my name is Amy. Um, I know these two girls from uh, UVic as well. We're all in kinesiology. I am in my fourth year and um, just about finished. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of in the future, I'm looking at pursuing strength and conditioning. Um, mm-hmm. So working with higher level athletes um, in a training aspect, everything other than kind of their sport specific um, skill-based training. So you're mm-hmm. looking at everything other than um, everything to get their uh, physical needs of the sport up to par. So that's kind of my interest when we need to do a master's with that. Um, and then my sport background is powerlifting. I did kind of more general lifting for quite a few years since I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just in the last couple of years have narrowed it into powerlifting a bit more. Um, I actually have my second competition coming up in a little less than two weeks. So super excited for that. Um, Kind of like the opposite side of the spectrum in terms of sport capacity Mm -hmm. from triathlon where it's very, very high volume. Powerlifting is very low volume, very high intensity. Yeah, Um, which which I'm not, I don't max out at those same intensities. No, neither do I. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun dynamic here. What are the principles? What are the, what are the differences? What are the similarities here? Yes. Which is also why I think it's so cool that we got this group together because I think that all of us, I mean, Emma and I are mainly endurance based. Mm -hmm. Amy is powerlifting based. So you have that powerful background with gymnastics. With gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I have a bit of that as well, but, um, I think that it all 
ties together within those perspectives as to you know what does training at different volumes mean for each of us like what does recovery look like so that is kind of the cusp of this conversation that we wanted to have with you today because um it's been a topic of conversation amongst us a lot especially coming from exercise science backgrounds where what does it mean to work smart not hard because i we feel that athletics has taken this turn of you know only if you're working at this high intensity all the time are you worthy of being an athlete specifically um, like fitness industry and like that exactly yeah. exactly so i'm excited yeah. that we all have different takes and backgrounds on this so that being said um I'll ask you both whoever wants to take a stab at it first. Uh, as an athlete, what does it mean to you to work smart, not hard? And what does that look like for you? Do you have any thoughts to start us off or want me to kick us you, off? You take it away. You got your good notes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> she does. I've got, there's so many things to unpack here, Amara. Oh my gosh. We're all, um, all brewing. Seriously. <laughs> like, volcanoes erupting. Yeah. Holy. Um, but yeah, I wanted to think a lot about this because it's a simple few words, work smart, not hard, but there's so many underlying layers and so many societal influences that have been mm -hmm. coming out around what it actually means to um, be proficient in what you do and be motivated and be dedicated and be hardcore. And what does that look like in, in terms of actually getting results? Because <laughs> in the totally. end of the day, the only thing that matters is when you tow that start line or you, when you sit down to that test, how do you actually perform? Totally. And um, mm -hmm. so I think I would like to narrow it down, at least when I think about working smart versus working hard, is the couple of words that really come to mind are being uh, present and being intentional with my time. Mm -hmm. I think about it in terms of there's pillars in my life that all 100% require attention. And those are proper sleep, good nutrition, school, training. Mm -hmm. And then there's like my friends, my boyfriend, my family. And house life, cleaning, laundry, all those things need mm -hmm. to get done. And there's a lot of pillars, but they're all essential to who I am as a person and the big goals that I'm chasing. So mm. I think about how do you be in president, sorry, and not in president, <laughs> how do you <laughs> be good. present with your time and intentional in what you're doing? Because if you're not fully present in the moment and intentional with every minute of your day, mm -hmm. you're not going, I don't see how you can possibly balance all these pieces in a way that's actually effective yeah, yeah. Oh, that's huge yeah that's and huge. intentional in a way that isn't like doing the absolute most in every mm -hmm. single minute but intentional in both work and rest like yeah the balance because i think sometimes people think that they have to be mindful or intentional in the way that they have to like plan every minute out yeah. and that's the best way to be intentional but intention is sometimes i'm going to give myself 30 minutes to stare at the wall because my brain needs to rest. <laughs> yeah, like for me, I, I need that time. Yeah, you know? that, that's huge. It's about being super aware of yourself and your current state of energy and your current state of mind. And I think also being brutally honest with yourself mm -hmm. of where am I at right now on an energy level, on a focus level? Um, and what am I actually capable of? Yeah. So absolutely. if I'm in a super hyped up, really focused good mood. I'm not, not, not necessarily good, but I'm, I'm present and I'm focused and I've got a good amount of energy. That's a time that's really appropriate to do something that's hard, whether it's a hard training session mm -hmm. or um, some hard research or a hard assignment where it really takes a lot of mental energy versus if I recognize that I'm just wasted from a hard, from a yeah, hard session sure. or a hard day at school, is it useful for me to sit down and try and do homework when I'm not going to absorb any of it? 
Like probably not. (laughs) It's probably helpful at that point maybe to do some laundry or the dishes or some cleaning or some busy work that's just some data input. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I try to do those hard tasks when I'm in a state that I'm not actually able to absorb the knowledge or absorb the training, is that actually a present and intentional way of using my time? Mm -hmm. Is that a smart way of using my time? Yeah, Yeah, and I think like just hearing you talk about it, I feel like there's two ways to look at this kind of like work smart, not hard. There's like the idea that more intensity is not always better. Mm -hmm. Like there's Mm -hmm. intensity for better outcomes, but there's also just intensity for the sake of intensity. And I think a lot of people in their kind of like novice training um, think that more intensity is always better, but Mm -hmm. we see that that's not the case, that we actually see different adaptations based on different intensities, right? And and not just max intensity for everything, that that's going to look different. That's going to create different adaptations, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But then on the other hand, what you're saying kind of with different pillars of things too, like there's also like work smart, not hard in the sense that um, it's less so about intensity, but how much extra little things you worry about too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like formulating this in my head. Like um, you, there's like the kind of, foundational things to focus on there's mm-hmm. you know that analogy of like the big rocks in your cup versus yeah. like the small rocks you got to put uh, the yeah. big rocks in first or Absolutely. they're yeah. not going to fit kind of thing okay. it's the same thing where like nutrition and sleep and proper recovery yeah. and training those yeah. are all things that you need to have adaptations and stress management and all these things but then there's all these little nitpicky things and I feel like as kin students we can sometimes get too excited about those things where it's like muscle fiber type differentiation and, um, you know, like specific physiological outputs and is my, like, are my, you know, um, like electrolyte levels perfect and all these, Mm -hmm. like supplements, all these extra things that if you don't, like, I think we can get too focused on all these little things that will give us that extra 0.1% of an edge, but we don't get the things that give us the, the main 20%. Oh, oh yeah. I'm snapping. Yes. Yes. Oh, have you guys seen yeah. there's like a trend going or I don't know if it's a trend, but I keep seeing these things pop up on my Instagram and I'm like, damn right. Um, <laughs> it, people be like, oh yeah, it's this creatine supplement and this like compression boot and oh, this yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know this other exercise or this other thing that I'm eating that's going to give me this extra edge and I'm like but are you sleeping eight hours a night and eating yeah, well absolutely. <laughs> oh my god yeah. like if you are not sleeping eight hours a night and taking care of your nutrition yeah. do not talk to me about fossil creatine supplementation yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I, I really into like my own kind of butting heads with this idea when I started working with my coach where yeah, like I was totally. like you know is the tempo for this right is like my grip width okay like how did that look like you know all these different things but then he was like well how much protein are you eating what like what kind of calories are you eating and I was like uh I don't know and totally. he was like you're totally. so funny like why like you you have all these extra little things that you're so meticulous about but like your foundation. Yeah, is- start on the, like, let's just talk about That's being so- consistent yes. with your training. Like, yes. um, we don't give I- our bodies enough credit for, like, their adaptability. Like, I think, yeah. I remember having this conversation not that long ago where I was like, do you take any pre-work? And you were like, no, I just have coffee before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Emma and I were like, yeah, we just drink coffee before. Which, yeah. I mean, and to some degree, is a, you know, it's a stimulant. So, like, it, it wakes you yeah. up and everything. I mean, pre-workout is clear as your colon, as Emma and I like to oh, call it. Man. Real talk. Real, real talk. Real talk. <laughs> 
yeah. but like there's so much that we look to outside of ourselves to fuel our performance when it's really like you said just falling back on the foundation like are you sleeping enough are you drinking enough water um mm-hmm. did you you know is are you, is your relationship going okay like so much yeah. plays into that yeah. and we yeah. don't give enough credence to it so yeah and mm-hmm. I, I even want to touch on like the last thing you said of like um like your relationships and stuff mm-hmm. it's so interesting to see how stress outside of Ooh. um like not physiological stress like your workout is a stressor on your body it's mm-hmm. like positive stress but like stresses outside of that affect your training and your huge. adaptation yeah. so huge um, oh my gosh yeah, it's, it's yeah. cool to see like um even with like some of the bikes teams like with the rowing team they were tracking kind of like mood and behavior and different yeah. things like they do a nightly kind of fill this in mm-hmm. and um yeah like we we're talking to the coach in one of my classes and he was saying that yeah I had a, a guy who's he's consistently for like mood or stress he's at like uh like or like how he's doing it's like a four you know it's mm-hmm. not great but that's consistent four is a four for him yeah mm-hmm. but then he tracked a few days of like a one or a two and his training was shit the, like the next few days mm-hmm. goes up and talks to him like what's going on you know like you look yeah, pretty absolutely. beat up and he's like oh yeah my girlfriend and I broke up or whatever something like that that's huge that is affecting his training and his output like yeah that's something you have to you have to consider too like when you're dialing up the intensity or dialing it down is like how much other stress do I have in my life because then you're not going to be intentional with your time either it's not going to have the response that you want it to yeah you won't have a clear head and you won't have the capability to absorb those things I really Mm -hmm. like using the word or the like yeah, the words emotional capacity is kind mm-hmm. of what I call it. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about that a lot here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's this idea of, I think it's, hmm, there's like direct correlation, I want to say, between emotional capacity and stress. And mm-hmm. like Amy just said, stress can come from actual physiologically working out, or it's that test that you're studying for, that conversation you just had with, you had about um, finances. It's your living situation at home maybe there's some tension with your roommates Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but i'd say like the bigger stressors is school and respecting how much effort and time and stress you put into working hard at school and doing well at school and i think it was one of the biggest lessons i learned um throughout triathlon and specifically switching over to the paratriathlon program is my coach um and uh the athlete that I work with are super, super observant and tuned into energy levels mm-hmm. and energy levels in terms of like stress and anxiety and not like, you know, I'm really energetic or I'm really tired today, but like angstiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm uh, very easily tra- like a ang- angsty uppity person. I'm very much like on the move a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've used to have a lot of trouble kind of coming back to center, but in this role within sport, um, you know, you can kind of fly with that if it's just yourself. (laughs) It's not ideal, but you can make it work. But as a guide, when I'm taking care of someone who is completely blind, um, Mm -hmm. if I'm not centered and calm and controlled, they can't trust that I'm going to do my job well. And if I can't do my job well, we can't execute the training session and we are base level worried about safety. Mm -hmm. So kind of coming into this environment and having them be really in tune with my levels of angstiness, I want to call it really. And they would comment on it and ask how I was doing and what's going on. And Mm -hmm. slowly I started realizing that, wow, my, my levels are high all the time. I'm always running hot. And I wasn't even aware of that for the first two years here in university. Mm -hmm. Like when I moved here 
from Calgary for the first two years because it was two years in the National Center before I switched to paratriathlon. Mm -hmm. And um, over time, it was just starting to become super observant of myself and what my triggers were and Mm -hmm. how I could come back to center and what can I do leading up to training so I don't show up stressed and anxious Yeah, because we can't do the job that we need to get done if I show up in that state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so big. Yeah. I want to hop back. There's so much I want to unpack there. But oh, yeah, oh my I know. God. I, I, spoke, I, just, I spoke I for a while the, there. No, 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 no. Yeah. Don't apologize. It was all so yeah. valuable. But I want to touch on something that you said at the very beginning when mm-hmm. you were defining what working smarter, not harder meant to you. And yeah. you mentioned like you had family, your relationship, your friendships, your house yeah. chores all built in there. And I think that that's so important because I think that our society paints kind of the professional athlete lifestyle in your case to be this you know your athletics are completely separate from your life and you Mm -hmm. have to completely separate Mm -hmm. the two because if you lean more towards whatever isn't your sport it's a hindrance to your performance or like Mm -hmm. you can't you have to be super super disciplined around the time that you spend you know at parties or with friends because it could take away from the sport and I think that you know, we're seeing more and more now that having that completely separate distinction, call it, can hinder you more than anything. Because you said, like, you need that support when you have a bad day of training, when you have yeah. a bad competition, like, you need that to fall back on. And also, you know, on a longer term scale, at one point, you will not be able to be a triathlete anymore. You will not yeah. be able to be a powerlifter anymore. And what is your identity after that? So as two athletes, how do you... I guess, like, how do you see that balance or, like, those aspects of your life outside of your sport fitting into and contributing to your performance? Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, a really interesting point because I think in, like, previous conversations, we've kind of talked about this idea of, like, feeling like you need to sacrifice everything for your one goal and that more sacrifice to that equals more success or faster success or better Mm -hmm. success. Um, and we've seen that in different people that, you know, like are very committed to the singular goal that they cut out everything else because they see it as a hindrance. But I just, I think it's so interesting that you made that connection that it's not even just like a neutral party. It's actually something that feeds in and benefits your performance Mm -hmm. and your sport. Mm -hmm. Like, I think in that context of like, what are you sacrificing for your goals? Yeah. You will have to sacrifice some things if nothing else, some of your time, some of your energy, you know, mm-hmm. but what sacrifices are actually beneficial versus just sacrifices for the sake of sacrificing. Like mm-hmm. if you deny yourself everything except for that, which contributes to your sport, you're doing yourself a disservice because there are other people that are, and it, it could be sport. It could be, um, career goals, like professional aspirations, academia, whatever mm-hmm. your, your goal, whatever your passion is or your dream, if you're sacrificing everything, there are still people who are putting out the same output and doing the same performance as you yeah. that have left the other things in that have left those relationships and the things that keep them feeling balanced and they're performing the same level as you are, if but not they're, better. Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. going to have mm-hmm. also a much more sustainable yeah. Um, kind of career in that and yeah. so you look at like the long-term goals of the athletes and in SMC we talk about strength and conditioning we talk about this all the time of like mm-hmm. what is like the long-term career like a, of this athlete how do we keep them on a trajectory that they're constantly 
improving Mm -hmm. where they're not just going straight up and then plateauing. We have this nice steady stream that over the long term, they can perform well and move well. They're not going to get burnt out psychologically, physically, Mm, you know, like that's, and there's some places that don't train that way. You look at certain like gymnastics kind of teams that, you know, they literally stunt these girls' growth so that they can be, you know, like childlike body to move, but then they are filled with injuries and problems in their bodies for the rest of their lives, all to just have this very steep peak and then plateau or decline for the, like the the remainder, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're thinking about in the long term, these things are going to fuel you so that you don't burn out. Exactly. And so like, yeah, like, I, I don't know, just this idea of like sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice isn't really helpful. It's like sacrificing the things, um, and committing to like your sport in a way that actually does produce better yeah. outcomes and mm-hmm. how much it's like, it's like a balance of like, how much do you want to singularly see yeah. this outcome mm-hmm. without like yeah. getting rid of everything else? Because even just, Oh, but this sacrifice will make it better. Make, make me do more, better, whatever, faster, better, faster, stronger. Yeah. But is that even worth it if you're still progressing at a slower rate, but still progressing? Yeah. Like, can sense. you not stay an hour later at the party if it means that you only get seven or instead of eight hours of sleep? You know? Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Hear and you. like, I want to go into that too. And I really want to unpack that, like, the word, you were said, said the word helpful. And I love that word because it's like I look at things as what's helpful to me right now and in terms of staying like that one extra hour at the party also I think there's a lot of balance there of like Mm -hmm. what does your season look like are you in race season right now then Mm -hmm. you know what staying that one extra hour at the party probably not a great thing to do yeah for sure (laughs) right but are you on Christmas holidays or you're in um a lighter recovery or actually no not a recovery week you need to recover on recovery week but Mm -hmm. are you in an off competition season and maybe and you're not you're at a tr- level in your energy where you're not kind of pushing the limit in training and in school and you have the extra recovery space that yeah you can stay out a little bit later mm-hmm. or are you in a place where you're really fatigued you're really run down you're really tired um you're on the edge of getting sick maybe injured you're feeling kind of burnt out maybe it's not great to let loose and party all night long because that's probably going to inhibit your sleep um you're not and you're not going to recover and be able to absorb all those stresses on your body. But if you're not in that place of severe fatigue, then like, yeah, Yeah, (laughs) you probably have the space to be able to enjoy yourself a little bit more and not saying, okay, I don't really like the words enjoy yourself because ideally, not ideally, if you're working this hard in a sport, you should be enjoying yourself in your sport. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, to take that, if you have this energy space to spend the time in the social situation, then use it. But I think it's all about that balance and being cognizant of where you at right now and what's going to be most helpful to you right now. Yeah. And you know what? That actually totally reminds me of just like thinking about periodization. Yeah. 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 Especially Mm -hmm. with high level athletes, periodization Mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. Um, And I think like when I first got into lifting and fitness and stuff, I had this concept that people, you know, like bodybuilders looked like they do on their competition day, like oh. year round. No. And like, <laughs> people train, like the people who are training for the Olympics, they train the same way they did at, like a week before the Olympics as they do the rest of the year. And mm-hmm. that's not farther from the truth. No, like, yeah. Um, I'm laughing because I feel like I also had that aha moment yeah. recently. And I was like, wait a second. Wait. Yeah, wait. <laughs> and that's so and important. Going. That's so important for yeah. like, looking at these athletes who are absolutely ripped. 
yeah, during their high level competitions. Like, like they don't even look like that year round because no, it's, you know, it's, no, it's, they it's, look like that. For it's like not the month. It's surrounding. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so stressful. And actually, when you're in this really big, heavy strength building aerobic base training season, which is usually in the alpha competition season, mm-hmm. like you're working really hard and stressing your body a lot. You kind of need a little bit of extra cushion if you want to handle that because mm-hmm. unless you're hitting your nutrition and your sleep and your recovery exactly perfectly every single day, which I can guarantee you're probably not going to do. We don't have the tr- fitness trackers that are able to tell you exactly how much stress you're putting on your body yeah, every single day. Yeah. Um, you need a little bit of extra cushion or you mm-hmm. are going to get sick and you are yeah. going to get injured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking too is like, I feel like periodization really applies to the rest of your life in the context of sports. So like mm-hmm. what you were saying, like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're in competition season where you're getting really close to your race or your competition, you're going to be more strict with what you're making time for, with what mm-hmm. you're um, like being slack on versus saying, no, this is a solid, like this is a firm line yeah. um, mm-hmm. because th- that's when it really counts, you know, but then, but then you have other, you have the transition period after competition, you have kind of the more general physical preparation period where you're training, you're building, but it's a lot lower volume. It's a lot lower intensity Yeah. where you have a bit more leeway to, um, like if your nutrition's a little off or you're kind of focused on other things mentally, mm-hmm. you have more mental space. And it's almost like, I feel like this could really apply to a lot of other aspects of life too that like Mm, it doesn't have to be just a sprint all day every day there's like you know you have periods and seasons where you have more laxity around Mm -hmm. your schedule and then you have other periods of time where there's more rigidity and there's more sacrifice but it's not meant to be like that like year round yeah oh I want to unpack or not unpack I want to talk about what you were just talking about in terms of like a framework or like how I like to talk about exactly that periodization that you were talking about in terms of the changes in your focus and spore throughout the year and like, and the balance of life. Um, Mm -hmm. But I had to think about it in terms of a balance that you have over a week and over a month and over a year within your life. And Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about sacrifices i'm holding up quotes mm-hmm. <laughs> for all the listeners here air quotes um sacrifices as we usually frame them are saying things are like hey i want to go do this thing but i can't because of xyz which xyz is usually related to other goals that you have and mm-hmm. not to i don't want to say that sacrifices never occur um it's huge in the sporting world um, that you can't make maybe large family events or mm-hmm. birthdays or a certain holiday because you are held up training in this other part of the country. But in the general more folk, like microstructure of life and school and training and friends and family, um, I think looking at what aspects of your life and kind of like those pillars I was talking about earlier, like mm-hmm. need to be nourished in order to let you be a nourished human being. Mm-hmm. not a nourished athlete, not a nourished student, but a nourished human being as a whole is what are those things that you need to take care of and how do you take care of them over time? Sometimes mm-hmm. within the week, you're going to be swayed towards that school focus or maybe it's that athletic focus or maybe it's that friend's focus, mm-hmm. but it's because that's the season and right now you need to be focused on one of those things because it's exam season or it's competition season or it's holiday season. So, but then within the month, those same thing, same things can happen. Are you getting a balance of what you need from those pillars within that month? Mm-hmm. 
And then sometimes it's not even within the month because seasons last a little bit longer, but within the year, you have those times when you're nourishing different parts. And so where possible, I like to shift the wording of that from sacrifices to just shifting the balance towards Mm -hmm. what aspect of your life is taking precedence right now. Absolutely. Yeah. That is super important and understanding that like even as a professional athlete who is doing the sport 100% of the time and is maybe getting paid to do it as like their job and all life throws ebbs and flows at you in your relationships in your state of mind in your stress level in your recovery your body has different needs at different times and because of that you're forced to make that shift in energy towards different things towards different Mm -hmm. people and I think that that segues very well into this next question, which I think we already kind of talked about, about how, you know, having that work smart, not hard mindset has helped you um, in life as well, like the periodization aspect and the Mm -hmm. ebbs and flows. But, you know, we were defining sacrifice. And I think that sacrifice has been tainted to be, I think there's a lot of guilt written in the fitness industry um, and I think that a lot of, like, even the wording around skipping skipping a workout, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just the connotation associated with that. Or, like, yeah. it's a cheat meal. It's a cheat day. Like, there's so much. <laughs> we're all shaking our heads because we're all like, oh. Um, yeah. But um, there's so much. Like, we associate that having to decrease our volume or miss a run because we're tired or something is this failure. It is us being lazy but there's and i spoke about this on a instagram post recently how there is something to be said about having the intuitive ability to listen to your body and how that is very very badass i think um and says a lot about you as an athlete because you're putting your health and your understanding that you can't put this 100% work output out all the time um, at the forefront of your training, at the forefront of your understanding and what your, I guess, contract with your sport is, I guess. So how, for both of you, do you feel like you've shifted out of that kind of guilt mindset around working smarter, not harder? And what did that journey (laughs) look like for both of you? Um, Okay. I'm going to dive in right off the bat with a super, not even like sciencey, but very straight up like question or thought process that if you are still struggling with this 100% intensity, I am scared to let go of this 100% intensity because I'm scared that I will stop making gains. Mm-hmm. Just think about it like this. Yeah. The act of exercising literally breaks down your muscles causes in- and causes inflammation. Within, mm. within your body. Mm-hmm. it's you, you are not building yourself up. You are literally breaking yourself down. Once you stop exercising, and especially when you're sleeping, that's when your body actually responds to that damage, responds to that, inflama- that inflammation that you've created and builds itself back up again. It heals and it becomes stronger because you've put this load and the stimulus on it. And it's like, oh, hey, shit, like I need to be able to handle that next time. So mm-hmm. it gets stronger. Mm-hmm. And then next time you can add more load onto it. You break it down again and then you sleep, you recover, and then you heal and then you can keep progressing upwards. Mm-hmm. So if you're going 100% all the time and you are not giving your body the ability to recover, to heal from that damage, it'd be 
like <laughs> it's it'd be serious like maybe you cut yourself with a knife when you're cooking or something oh my god i should not say that no that's okay <laughs> you- <laughs> We're okay it happens oh my gosh okay <laughs> you you somehow cut your knee open and then you go <laughs> <laughs> and then you and then you fall down and you keep picking at the scab and you never let that scab heal mm-hmm. is it going to turn into healthy skin again no it's going to turn into scar tissue mm-hmm. and it's not and it's going to be less resilient and less strong and that's the same with your whole body you're instead of actually getting stronger and faster you're going to become weaker less resilient more injury prone and more prone to sickness mm-hmm. so yeah. what we need to think about if we're talking about this 100 intensity all the time is where's the recovery <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah muscles mm-hmm. aren't built in the gym they're broken down yeah and then they're built outside of the gym I yeah love that. that's yeah so true like i think just like from a more personal aspect even like from this kind of like guilt intensity mindset like mm-hmm. i know for me that that was really damaging like especially when i was like a teenager mm-hmm. um what started like for me as like a really like healthy pursuit I was like I want to be healthier I want to be stronger I'd like kind of originally started with running and then I got into lifting and fitness and all these things mm-hmm. um and I want to eat better I want to be healthier but it became this thing that like more is better more like if, if I can eat the healthiest foods I'm going to eat those and if I can mm-hmm. train more I'm going to train more And I was kind of just like feeding into all of this messaging that is disguised as like motivational and helpful um, that says like, you know, how, how much do you want it? How bad do you want it? And I'm like, I'm, you know, I guess I need to want it more. Yeah. And I, like, and instead, you're literally toning down your emotional response. You're, you're literally taking your inner voice that is telling you how you're feeling and how you're responding and you're saying shut the fuck up i don't yeah, care you're invalidated yeah. how are you supposed to Absolutely. understand how your body is recovering and responding to training how are you supposed to understand your emotions your level mm-hmm. of tiredness if yeah. you're constantly muting your body which your body knows best mm-hmm. yeah well and Absolutely. what happened was yeah. that i actually didn't see a lot of progress because mm-hmm. i was overdoing it and i was under fueling for those goals um yeah. and and then Worst of all, I had this like mental obsession around it. Like yeah. I yeah. had a very like what I would call a disordered relationship with food mm-hmm. um, rather than like eating disorder. But it was yeah. that I thought about food all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was like something that I needed control. I needed control. And it was a source over... you could control. Yes. It was yeah. something mm-hmm. I needed to control. And um, anytime I like fell outside of the boundaries that were unsustainable for my body um, that I had created, I felt out of control. I felt guilt, you know, so much yeah. guilt around it. And so I cracked down even harder, you know, I'm like, I got to stay in, in control of this. Mm-hmm. And with fitness, it was the same of like, I wasn't seeing any progress because I thought that, you know, more was better and I needed it to be, you know, a hundred percent all the time. And it was interesting that as I shifted towards more balance, where there was more, freedom to eat how I wanted. And I didn't think about food as much. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about training as much. Mm -hmm. I didn't train as much. Mm -hmm. I actually made more progress. Mm -hmm. I made better gains. I had the body that I actually wanted without when I stopped thinking about it and stopped making it this singular pursuit. Yeah. And so like, Mm -hmm. so what do you think was a big fundamental switch for yourself there? Like, how did you shift from this very intensive controlled mindset to taking a step back and starting to let that voice inside of yourself that actually knows 
how you're feeling. How'd you give, how'd you give the microphone back to that voice? It was a really hard shift to make because in like, if you have this mindset that like more control is better and that losing control means that you're a failure or that you, you have something to feel guilty about. There's like, it's so hard to relinquish control and, Mm. and, and Mm -hmm. allow there to be some more leeway because that you feel there's like shame around it. But Mm -hmm. I, I distinctly remember like, cause I think how I kind of gained control over food changed over the years, like in -hmm. terms of different restrictions or like diets or even like fasting or things. And, um, I just like distinctly remember this time. I think it was in like 2018. Like I was probably in grade 12. Um, in my Mm -hmm. car, I was getting to go somewhere and I just was like, I cannot keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Like I can't sustain this anymore. Mm-hmm. But at that point there was no like solution. I just knew that this like couldn't keep going. Yeah. Um, and for the longest time, I didn't even acknowledge that it was like a problem, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it's masquerading as healthy, you know, and yeah. people tell you that this is what you have to do to be healthy and to be fit and whatever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, at that point, I just like, I had no idea because I, in my mind I was like, well, if you have a problem with alcohol, you stop drinking alcohol. If you have a problem with cigarettes, you stop smoking cigarettes. If you have a problem with food, what do you do? You can't mm. stop eating food. That's another problem. Oh, you have huge. to dabble yeah. in the thing that is hard for you to interact with. That you, like dabble as in because you have to eat every day, but you have yes. to completely change your relationship with it. Yeah, and it was like, how do I stop thinking about food when food is all around me and food has to be present in my life? And yeah. so for me, it was a lot of, Um, it was a lot of little choices over time Mm -hmm. when I felt like I'd messed up being willing to say, okay, instead of doubling down, instead of correcting this and trying to control into the next day, Mm -hmm. accepting it and moving on. And I know that sounds like kind of like, that sounds oversimplified, but that was something that I had to actively choose. And like, I had Mm -hmm. these kind of like trigger habits that I'm like, oh no, oh no. Like I need to double down on this I need to like monitor things tomorrow or whatever you know I don't even think that's simplified though and I say that from Mm -hmm. a place that I completely relate is that's a lot very similar to how I change my relationship with food as well and like a little bit of backstory I don't want to steal your fire Amy at all (gasps) but I want to say like no I relate to that is I also had a disordered relationship with food for a lot of years I think the entire time I was a junior athlete so like Mm -hmm. 2014 I want to say through till 2018 for sure um Mm -hmm. things started changing in 2018 when I moved here but it was the exact same strategy you were overthinking things now you have to stop thinking and you have to trust that those actions are going to help you in the long run. Mm-hmm. So when you were saying like it may be simple just to see it, accept it and move on is exactly what you have to do is yeah. just, hey, I don't want to eat this thing, but the nutritionist or I was told that this is good for me and this is actually a healthy decision or I've been a bit more balanced and I made this mm-hmm. decision when I wasn't in an emotional state mm-hmm. and we're like I know this is good for me I have to do it and I have to move on mm-hmm. because the more I marinate on it and the more I sit on it the more I'm going to revert back to my old habits yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's like I for me it wasn't like okay I'm gonna get rid of all of my like food rules or food restrictions whether that was like times of day when I was allowed, like the window of time that I was allowed to eat in yeah. or like what kinds of foods were 
good versus bad. The amount of sugar that you're allowed yeah. to be in the yeah. food, which is actually Spoiler, zero. There's no good or bad foods. Um, <laughs> the body doesn't recognize a glucose molecule different from a candy bar. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just glucose. Piece of bread. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it wasn't removing all of the food rules. For me, it was like, okay, I'm still tracking all these things and I'm still controlling them. And if I fall out of the window mm-hmm. and I feel that trigger of, oh God, I've messed up. I'm yeah. failing. Yeah. I, it was me having to tell myself like, that's okay. Tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow we try again yeah. and leaving that day behind. Because what yeah. I would do is like, if I went over my calories for a certain day, I would take those calories off of the next day. Yeah. What happens if yeah. you go 700 calories over your already underfed day and take it out of the next day? That's not a lot of food, you know, no, like, and it would, no. it would keep kind of compounding. So for me, I had to say, okay, clean slate every day. Yeah. And that's kind of where it started. Yeah. And then kind of slowly, like slowly, slowly building more of a trust around like what foods I can eat and when it's okay, mm-hmm. you know, like it's okay to actually have fries or like these different foods that I I labeled as bad in my head and it's not going to mm-hmm. make or break things. And it was, yeah, it was definitely a slow process. And um, even like during that time that I was kind of starting to figure it out, I like gained a lot of weight after high school. Yeah. I, part of it was probably because I was feeding myself enough that some hormones kicked in and allowed my body to finish going through puberty. Huge. Uh, But that was hard too, because no matter what you weigh, putting 20 pounds on your body in a few months and your clothes not fitting, it's hard. That's hard. And it's difficult. It's hard mentally, but it's also hard on your body. All of a sudden your muscles are bigger because if you're still lifting and you're eating more, you're going to gain muscle, but you're also Mm going to gain some fat. Yeah. which you needed to support the hormones yeah. and yeah. to support your body with but then that. your ligaments and tendons got to catch up and that's a whole There's other like that's a whole other and then yeah. huge how you walk, yeah how you move and of like course. even for me on like the most basic level i was like well now all my favorite clothes don't fit this sucks now yeah. i have to go buy new jeans like that sucks i've had these jeans for the like mental and years, emotional aspect you know? and, and um, being able to sit there and trust that this is that you're heading in the right direction oh, despite going yeah in the opposite direction of everything that social media and social fitness culture is telling you, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible that it like trust that and stay strong to I that. Think, I think it comes back full circle to what we were kind of saying earlier about just having that intuitive ability as an athlete to trust your body. And what we were kind of talking about was it pertains to like taking pre-workout before workouts, which for some people it works by the way, like not demeaning it in any mm-hmm. way, but like we, your body quite literally, your brain quite literally makes note of what foods it has consumed in the past that made your body feel more fueled. It made it have more energy. And so, you know, like, I don't know about you, Emma, but like as a runner, after I go on a long run, I always crave bread yeah. afterwards because your body's like, I need to replenish that glycogen, need to replenish my carbohydrate stores. Like yeah. your body, when you have to honor your cravings because those cravings are nine out of 10 times telling you something about what you actually need. It isn't this guilt trip of, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm craving peanut butter. That means that I'm you know, lazy about it. It's yeah. like, no, your body is giving you this cue yes. because yeah. it wants what's best for you too. Like we don't give our body enough credit for how it's actually always working to support us rather than you know derail us from our goals. It just sometimes our idea of healthy is very different from what 
it actually needs to be internally at a physiological level. Yeah, you yeah. can't trick the body, you know? Like, mm-hmm. The body is so but, smart. But you can get very, very good at um, silencing those cues. Yes. So mm-hmm. that those that you actually start to become not in tune with those cues at all. And so you actually to the point where you won't, can't even hear them, which I think is really common in people who have very um, – Actually, no, I, I don't want to speak about this because I'm not a medical professional. But in personal experience, it's learning to listen to those cues compared mm-hmm. to when I did not have a great relationship with food. It wasn't ever, this is what my body needs. It's, this is what my mindset is telling me I need to consume. And I didn't even hear those or feel those cues mm-hmm. at all. And then, and there's also, there totally is a thing about like, we crave sugar all the time. We It gives us hits of dopamine. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, we always want dessert. But mm-hmm knowing the difference between like you know those calories that your body is telling you you need and actually then balancing that with what knowledgeably you know for a fact is going to be healthy and nourishing mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. it's of like course. finding that balance in there but i totally agree like your body's gonna tell you i get these weird cravings for milk yeah <laughs> after absolutely. like after working out but it's it's cold and it's hydration and it's protein and it's carbs and it's great exactly. and also you remember that hey, I ate that and then I was energetic the rest of the day or I mm-hmm. felt satisfied afterwards. Yeah. So am I going to eat that again? Like probably I felt mm-hmm. good afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because what I kind of perceived when I was um, in high school, I was definitely like under fueling for um, how fast my, like, my metabolism was working at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I'd come home at the end of the day and um, – would almost like have like a binge where it almost, yeah. it did feel like kind of compulsive that I was eating all of this. And in my mind at that time, I was like, oh no, I lost control. Um, I lost control. I messed up. Your, but your now, body is just trying to make up for everything you were depriving it of yes, earlier yeah, in the day. I see that if I have a big, like a big feeding session, whatever, big meal, and I'm like just kind of eating everything in the house. I see it as, oh, I guess I didn't eat as much as I thought I did today. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I guess I did do more exercise today. So, Mm -hmm. like, I burn more calories because the body knows. Like, you, it's like that trust with the body that it's making up for those calories. And I think it's it's so interesting that, like, we try and resist that so much. Like, even the sugar cravings. A lot of times we crave sugar and high-density foods when we have Mm underfueled in the day or over the week over like a macro cycle yeah the body is looking for high density calories because it's not properly taken care of Mm -hmm. and i love what you mentioned there about instead of saying to yourself i've lost control it's analyzing why am i so hungry right now Mm -hmm. oh let's look at this. Did I get enough protein and fat and complex carbohydrates earlier in the day? It's not about the self-control and this lack of um, motivation and persistence to this diet that you're on. Mm -hmm. It's a question, an honest, objective question with your body of, hey, am I taking care of you? Yeah. Or can I, did I not treat you as well as I should have today? Yes. I'm curious to hear what And I think this question encompasses the nutrition aspect, but also the kind of why you do what you do and stick to certain routines that pertain to your sport. Because I think that it's normal to normalize that these kinds of, call it trip-ups of like you get too lost in the performance aspect of your sport are still common even when you're in the professional realm, right? Like, In my experience, Mm -hmm. um, obviously I'm not competing right now at a national level like both of you are 
for me, running and weightlifting is something that is way more recreational. It still has a purpose behind it. I run mm -hmm. recreationally. I race recreationally. But it's been a very interesting shift for me because growing up, it was always organized sport. And you, how you were training up to, you know, with track, it was the summer was racing season. With gymnastics, it was the winter was, was competition season. So there was always this thing to work up to. But now as, I guess, a self-trained, self-directed athlete where – I race when I want. I I do fitness because it supports me because it makes me happy. There's been a lot of times where I've had to revisit my why. So for example, I had this moment like maybe like last week or two weeks ago. Um, I recently, you know, decided that I want to race more come the spring in like local races like the TC10K and the BMO marathon or half marathon. Um, and I've decided to kind of tailor my my weight training um, at the gym to kind of suit running. So incorporating a bit less, um, I guess, like decreasing the weight and adding more like power-based exercises, for example. Um, again, just to switch it up because I mm -hmm. think that's always fun too. But I remember I missed, I had to miss the gym one morning because I had to do homework instead. I wouldn't have time to catch up during the day. And I went into this panic of like, oh my God, I'm going to miss leg day, like, I, I was like, why? Like, I thought I had shifted out of this mindset. And then as I did the, like the, I started asking the whys to get to the root of it. It was very interesting for me to find that the underlying cause was like, oh my gosh, I miss a day of lifting. That means one less day of deadlifts. That means one less day of getting bigger. And then mm -hmm. I was like, it was a really good check-in to be like, okay, like, A, this is still here, which is okay, it happens, it's a societal conditioning, mm -hmm. like, it happens, but I think it's really good to revisit that, and it happens at times in your journey as an athlete, because, you know, as much as you've shifted into a healthier place, those societal reinforcers are always around us, right, so mm -hmm. all that to say, like, where are you at now with that, and if you experience it still how do you shift out of that mindset and out of that guilt mm, man i almost want to <laughs> okay. yeah i almost want to go i'm even in a transition period of even coming back to a place where i would even feel that guilt and this is actually mm -hmm. going a bit back um i feel like i'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here but i'll get back go to the it. question <laughs> go for anyways, it anyways um when I say that I'm even coming back to a place where I would even feel that guilt is because it's only been, I would say, in the last two or three months of training that I decided I actually wanted to race for myself again. Mm -hmm. um, going back circa 2020, before COVID even happened, mm -hmm. I was in a place in training and sport. This is when I was still training um, as an elite athlete um, in the Olympic pathway rather as opposed to the paratriathlon pathway. Um and I was, so I was still competing for myself, but I was so burnt out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, um, the training environment wasn't right for me. Um, and I ended up moving on from that training environment. And I was in a few months of, Hey, I'm going to, I'm kind of still exercising, but I don't really know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And that's when paratriathlon came knocking and asked me if I wanted to come on as a guide. And mm -hmm. there's a lot more to unpack in terms of, which I probably won't go into today of like, 
where I was at and what led up to that major burnout that I had. Mm -hmm. But essentially what paratriathlon offered me was an opportunity to still stay in the sport, which I had this deep down gut feeling that I wasn't done in the sport, Mm -hmm. but I also had zero motivation to race for myself. And I had zero belief in myself that I could even handle the training Mm -hmm. because those last two years had been injuries and illness every three or four months. And Mm -hmm. I was at this point where I was like, my body just can't handle it. I don't have what it takes to be a professional athlete done and done. And mm-hmm. I was done. Um, but I was like, but I still like triathlon though. Um, mm-hmm, <laughs> so paratriathlon was like, Hey, you can do reduced training hours compared to what you did before. You can function as a guide. And I was like, awesome. I still get to do the sport, but I don't have to race for myself because I don't want nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So then the shift from, there was no um, guilt around myself because I wasn't racing for me anymore. It was racing to be the best guide I could be. Um, but it was in a very balanced way where there's a lot more freedom for enjoyment rather than just the, the, the training and the suffering. The yeah. 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 I think, well, yeah. And she, she had this understanding that you don't, there's a plan, but just because you write a plan doesn't mean you're actually going to be able to execute the plan or your body's going to be ready to execute the plan. Mm -hmm. And so you're aware of that and you're aware of how your body is feeling and then you adjust and, and do the best that you can to still stay within this bigger goal that you have. And this bigger goal that you have is if it's September, that bigger goal that you have is March. It's the race that you're doing. But right now you're in November, December in the depths of training. And as long as you get in um, within a percentage of this plan that you have, you don't have to hit it exactly where you're at. Maybe you're at 115%, maybe you're at 85%. Yeah. But over time, it's it's eventually going to average out. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think having that balance there really, really helped. But then now <laughs> I've gone through two years of training and actually have functioned better as an athlete, haven't been sick and injured every three or four months mm-hmm. because of this shift in the focus of training. And I'm actually at a place now where I'm like, no, I want to race for myself again. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. come out of that place of balance and understanding that the body can only handle what the body can handle and no amount of forcing it is going to change that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so kind of hitting rock bottom to them come up which yeah sometimes has <laughs> some yeah. of us have to learn the hard way what can you do but it's awesome to hear that that is it's possible to get to that place after getting so low yeah where so you were like you're like i literally don't even want to be an elite athlete mm-hmm. anymore when my identity had been and had been for the past four years so 2014 through to 2020 so six years of like I want to race on the national team from going from that to yeah I don't even want to race anymore like mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to be able to kind of come back and find that yes. balance again yeah. and find that love of the sport again and find that trust in my own body mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. I say oh. it I don't really feel that guilt anymore because of this just the balanced mindset that my coach has been able to foster yeah. in our training environment where it's like, hey, yeah, you're tired, you're fatigued, your school works a lot. Um, I randomly rolled my ankle on Thursday. And so I had to, <laughs> I had to, Sorry, I mean to laugh. I was yeah, mad. no, no, it was gross. It's bruised. I awful. only laughed because I heard that you were carried home. I was, but... <laughs> I, I, I was, I was, I was carried home. Lovely boyfriend uh, did carry me home. Yeah. Oh. What are they for? Yeah. I know. And he tells, and he tells me not to run with my phone. And I'm like, I'm going to run with my phone because if I roll my ankle, I'm going to need to call you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> if you're listening and I'm a partner, write that down. <laughs> Anyways. But 
yeah, as a result of that, like we had to modify the swim workout the following day. I had, I had to cut an hour off of my long ride. I couldn't yeah. do my long run on Sunday, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm still confident. I'm like, I'm also not in race season right now. Mm-hmm. So that helps. And so I go, I don't actually need to be hitting X, Y, Z because race season is in March and it's November perspective here. Mm-hmm. What's the bigger picture? Mm-hmm. So it's okay right now. Exactly. I'd probably be a bit more stressed if that happened three weeks out of race day. Yeah. Of course. But it didn't. You're going to trust <laughs> that like your body is still going to perform when it needs to. Yes. You know, like, yeah. I think it's interesting because kind of in the fitness industry and like in this kind of like motivational mindset kind of on the more toxic end of that kind of messaging, it says like, oh, you're you're tired, you're fatigued, and your body wants to stop. You need to push harder. Mm-hmm. You need to have more like, mental to toughness. Suck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's like you need to give even more than you can than you can normally give in order to force the body to do this. And you yeah. you can't. Like it doesn't work. And I think maybe for people who are just beginning, maybe they need more of that motivation yeah. because they don't understand what capacity your body can go up to. But what's interesting about athletes is that it's quite the opposite a lot of times with training them. Um, If you're, you know, doing it well, uh, athletes are really good at pushing their body to its actual limit, not like a perceived limit. And so Mm. more oftentimes training athletes is asking them to back off and to controlling and to listen to that. And it's interesting seeing that in like a strength and conditioning yeah. aspect to like learning about that is that you know I, I always had this idea of like oh um athletes are like more physically fit in this sport so it's easier for them it's not as hard on their body but it's actually the opposite that athletes are able to Add. unlock a certain um higher intensity um that's experienced by their body like on a neural level, their body is able to unlock a higher intensity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they actually, it's actually harder on their body than somebody who's yeah. a novice. And let, let's say like all the different proportions of their body is the same, but yeah. it's athletes are actually able to put more reach on these higher capacities. So it actually adds more fatigue. It's not easier for them. It's yeah. much harder. And mentally you have the experience and the training. And I think mental strength flows, even ebbs and flows within the season. At least I find it does. Mm-hmm. I get, I don't want to call it getting soft, but I get less mentally able to cope with high levels of discomfort during like off seasons from training. And we get into race season, we start doing really high intensity training again. I become, um, I slowly kind of build up that mental tolerance again, mm-hmm. but it happens. And if you have, and you do, you have this higher mental tolerance to be in a really uncomfortable place, putting out yeah. a whole lot of work. And so, yeah, sometimes, and sometimes the coach does need to tell the athlete like, Hey, you don't need to go there today. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's good that you like your, your brain needs that level mm-hmm. of offloading as well. Not just yeah. your yeah, body. Totally. Like, you can't be in this fight or flight stress mode. I need to perform hundred percent at all times because yeah. yeah, your, your mental state gets fatigued too. And totally. that's probably what you hit with like oh. 2020 kind of oh, triathlon. Man. Yeah. I, like that was like, you know, cause you're at this point that yeah, your, your body's also, you know, starting to give out, yeah. but yeah. mentally you're like I don't even want to do this anymore I don't love this I'm not no. finding any joy in it no. that's like that mental fatigue where you just get tired of being on at all times yeah I feel like it becomes what you said there 
you I can see how it transitioned into and I think this is a problem for a lot of people in athletics how it becomes this way more performance based thing especially Mm -hmm. when you're in professional sport because you're getting paid to yeah you know output this certain result all the time and that takes away from the fun of the sport and it just becomes this constant game of suffering and I think that that is also a really good transition into this very different question which is obviously you know we just touched on how you don't want to be suffering all the time um and I think that it's difficult because I feel like we glorify suffering and we make it this threshold and this like this is how you validate that you have worked hard yeah but suffering like what dictates suffering is it like your lactate burn at the end of a sprint or is it like are you puking after a workout you know um all that to say obviously as an athlete you do have to reach a level of discomfort during your workouts and during your training um that is at the right intensity and i feel like we kind of if i'm thinking from a more personal growth um mindset here there's like the two poles of i guess self-care right like there's a self-care that is like bubble baths and wine and then there's the other pole which is always suffering and it's like you don't make time for anything but physical and mental challenges it's like this there's been this polarization in society Mm -hmm. of like the grinders Mm -hmm. and the people and then people being like oh no self-love you're feeling down today go eat some chocolate exactly and it's the same (laughs) i think it's the same in athletics like you know a lot of parents don't put their kid in sport because i don't want them to suffer like i don't or want even them like to experience comparison mm-hmm. experience competition mm-hmm. because they yeah. all set them up they set them yeah. up to succeed not fail and so as an athlete what is that like what does that relationship with discomfort look like for you and how do you gauge that bar of oh am i sitting at a comfortable level of discomfort that is not going to hinder my process yeah Progress. Sorry. Progress. Yeah. <laughs> right off the bat, I just go at like timelines here. Mm-hmm. Where are you in the grand scheme of what you're doing? If you're in a, well, I'll go back to like more like global and bring it back to a bit more micro, but like, you know, big training block, you're doing strength, big aerobic base. At least that's what we do in endurance sports. Um, you're going to feel down in the dumps a little bit. We're putting mm-hmm. on muscle. We're putting on aerobic base. You're doing lots of hours. You're supposed to feel kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not to the point where you're actually getting sick or getting injured or getting burnt out, mm-hmm. but you're not going to feel great. Versus mm-hmm. in race season, no, we're in upping intensity, but we're lowering, volume, lowering volumes. You want to feel a little bit more snappy and sharp. So mm-hmm. with those things I'm just alluding to, like what's the season? Where, if you have a broad perspective, where are you supposed to be in energy-wise? But on a more day-to-day scale, it's like, there you have natural ebb and flows every day and within the week in terms of oh yeah i'm having i had a good sleep last night things are going well in school and relationships and everything and i'm having a good day and i'm vibing and then there's Mm -hmm. days where you're just tired um not as good to sleep maybe there's a bit higher stress or i don't know your hormones are flying and you're just not having a great day but the next day you come back up and i think there's a bit of a culture that's kind of starting around anytime you feel down, it's this thing to be avoided and this thing that you're like, oh no, I need to really take care of myself. And like, sorry, I don't want to get into a voice and start mocking it because I don't want to, I don't want to be like mocking. (laughs) No, but you're allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to have an opinion. You know, it's, it's kind of almost being a little bit too soft around, you can have bad days because 
if you're if you're having that bad day, but you're not at risk for a sickness, injury, burnout, and you it's been like one bad day, like you're fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can you can push through that. You can learn how to refocus, and you can show yourself that you are okay to feel not to feel not. It's okay to not be okay mm-hmm. for a little bit. It's mm-hmm. when that not being not okay becomes chronic weeks at a time, multiple days, then I think you start asking the questions of, hey, like, why am I feeling this way? This should not be occurring multiple days in a row. What's going on? And Mm. then that's when I kind of go, like, let's take a step back. But micromanaging within the day, that's where I think things get a little bit too touchy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's my opinion. No, I hear you. I think it's it's like the balance of there's there's like a – it's the difference between, like, mental and the – physical threshold I want to say like trying to find a a right way to word it but like you like you said you had a bad day but you're not at physical risk for injury or having like poor recovery honestly mental risk either you're just a little bit down yeah like Like, like, that's a that's a mental check that you come back to but it's when like you said you start seeing decreased progress like you're feeling fatigued that's when over time hit the physical it's not so much like you're just being weak and you're being lazy it's like okay no now you need to listen to your body like yeah i know you're chronically overworking That's yourself a now point. yeah but yeah. if it's just like transient and like a day or two it's like okay cool like mm-hmm. move on yeah, of <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. i think also like if it's like you can kind of monitor what that yeah. looks like it's a really bad day it's like okay can i push training yeah. to tomorrow or can i do the bare minimum today yeah and then tomorrow the next day i can do a bit more like I can handle that. It's, yeah, totally. I think it's it's finding the balance between like like discipline out of self love, and then and then rather than kind of just never denying yourself any indulgence, any comfort, you know. Yeah, and if, if you do need that chocolate at the end of the bad day, like I have chocolate at the end of the day. It doesn't matter if it's good day or bad day. <laughs> I, I love chocolate, you know. Yeah. But I think yeah, it's just when you like are using that to be like, oh, I need to not do any homework tonight because I'm too stressed. It's like actually maybe doing that homework would make you less stressed because then you got it done. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. I I like to think about it as like loving self discipline in the sense that mm-hmm. like a parent, um, like parent child relationship, like a good parent disciplines their kid. Yeah. Of like a there's there's kind of two sides. There's the permissive parent that doesn't do anything lets their kid kind of do everything but then the kid has no regulation they don't really feel like their parents really care there's no organization yeah there's no motivation there's There's no getting through the hard stuff Mm -hmm. there's also like this authoritarian parent that is like discipline like exceptionally strict discipline for the sake of discipline without any responsiveness to that child's needs and their ebbs and flows that's also not a good picture of a parent but there's this um you know uh what is it authoritarian authoritative authoritarian one of those those. um you know there's there's discipline but there's um responsiveness and interaction with that child and that Mm -hmm. it's coming from a place of love and i like to think of my relationship to myself in the same way where Mm -hmm. yeah like like self-love is discipline at Mm -hmm. times it's also listening in and and like allowing for um modifications and adjustments as needed as needed yeah yeah um is that day off necessary or is doing these things and getting these tasks done actually going to help me more even though it might be a bit hard yeah it's it's like it's like am I giving into like a short-term comfort right now that in the long run is actually going to 
hinder me. Yeah, like, you absolutely. know, like if I sleep in until the very last minute, am I not going to, you know, f- properly fuel and get ready for my day? And that's going to, you know, hinder that day throw off my day. Yes. But if I, you know, need to take in a bit more sleep or something like that um, in a way that it isn't going to throw off future Amy. I like to think of it in that term as well, where I'm like, you know, can I, can I take in some more indulgence that it's actually going to benefit me? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be good. But I want to set up future Amy for success and whether that's resting so that that. she can perform better or whether that's, you know, getting things done despite not having the motivation to today, Mm -hmm. either way, I'm thinking about what is future Amy going to thank me for today, (laughs) you know, and like that looks different. It's it's like the listening in of what does that look like? I love also taking that perspective and like, or that, that mindset and zooming out from like your current emotional state, Mm -hmm. which that is completely valid and needs to be heated, of course. But Mm -hmm. I love that taking a step back and going, okay, so let's take into into consideration everything that's going on right now. And how am I actually doing like at a micro level and from a zoned out, like zoomed out perspective mm-hmm. of yeah. like, I, I love that framework. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, that that discipline also, that kind of, I love that you phrased it from that kind of parent, child, self-love aspect, because I also think that that plays such a part in, as an athlete, as a human in general, like making sure that your consistency is there in the routines that set you up for success, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I loathe nothing more than having to stretch at the end of the day. But I, I've also learned that I have to, to maintain my performance and to prevent injury, mm-hmm. right? Because as a runner, it's huge to stretch and to have mobility and everything. And for me, my non-negotiable is I have to at least foam roll at the end of the day and do my physio exercises because that will ensure like you said that long-term performance instead Mm -hmm. if i skip it today maybe once it's okay Mm -hmm. but skipping it more than on one day because i'm like i'm lazy or like i just don't feel like it or you know like it compounds and i think that that's also huge for saying well just because you don't feel like it today you're gonna feel it later (laughs) you know if you don't do it yeah so i I hear because it comes down to not just in the you know, when you're training, when you're in the playing field, it comes down to what you do outside of training as well mm-hmm. that impacts your performance. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what I was thinking of too was when you kind of said those kind of two pillars between like, mm-hmm. you know, the like indulgence and the discipline, like uh, I was talking to a friend a little while ago, like probably last week and we were watching one of like the David Goggins kind of more well-known talks and mm-hmm. it was very comedic to us because yeah like just his his motivational kind of take on things um it's very much framed as this inspirational motivational it's got like all the music behind it and all these people like working out and stuff um it's very very interesting um but one thing he says that really just like stuck with me that I thought was so backwards was like he was like you know you wake up and there's two voices. Everyone has two voices in their in their mind. One is the coddling voice when it says, "Just sleep in. Just have that extra like food. Just uh, like kind of give in. You know, it's not it's not worth it. Just just give in to these these comforts." And then you have this demon voice that says, "You're not fucking good enough. You're gonna get up. You're gonna put in the work. You are not worth it. You gotta prove yourself. You gotta earn this." 
And I was like, no, 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 no. That is the same voice. And both of them are coming from a place of self-loathing or self-contradicting. Because one of them is saying, just give in. You're not worth putting in the work to achieve what you actually want to achieve. The other one says- That's the coddling voice. Yes, that's the coddling. You're not worth it. You know, so-called demon voice or whatever he called Mm -hmm. it. And he says, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You need to constantly prove yourself um, in order to prove your worth. Both of them are saying the same thing, that you are not worth it. And there's a third voice, or rather a second voice, if those two are the same. There's this other voice that comes from self-love. And that voice expresses- both camps so that voice Mm -hmm. says some days you know hey actually we've been putting in a lot of work and if you really need the rest that's okay because your worth is not defined by your output by your productivity your performance Mm -hmm. today it's okay to put in a little less um because you know you can trust that you're still worthy right that's Mm -hmm. it'll say that sometimes and then other times that voice is going to say actually no we're going to not give in to these comforts. And even though we don't want to put in this work, we are worth putting the work in. Absolutely. And I think like it's so much more empowering. Yeah. Of a perspective yeah. rather than a hateful, negatively connotated perspective, which I know there's definitely some people who feel alive and awaken, awakened by this like really negative perspective, but mm-hmm. you can it, get it's, things done on that it's, for it's, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's attacking yeah. and it's aggressive though, and it breaks you down over time. And my big question is, is that sustainable? It's never sustainable. And understand. and you find that you get to those achievements and you can't relish in them, you can't celebrate them. Oh, you you got you've them. never Ooh, yeah. been enough in the first place. No. Well, and, and also you, you perceive got- success to be suffering. Yes. And I think that that's, yes. that's huge too. Like, I love that you characterized it as only one voice, one voice because I think that the moment that you split yourself into there's this lazier part of me and there's this badass part of me and that's the one I want to be, mm-hmm. you automatically shun the part of you that is trying to take care of you, that you perceive to be this like separate yes. part of you. And yeah. then that intuition, when it's coming through and telling you, hey, like... A little... slow down today and then you shun it like you're again it's working at that intensity that you shouldn't be working at all the time because you're going to increase your chance of injury yeah but also you start resenting yourself and mm-hmm. it becomes this thing of it's never enough because i must always be suffering and if i'm not always suffering then i did not then perform. I'm, giving, perform. I'm giving in it's horrible that mm-hmm. softness yeah. but yeah like and once you reach that high level or that achievement that like if, if you do reach it, if you re- win that race or hit that lift or get that test score, it's like, yeah, was it enough? Never and enough. it's never enough. No, it's it wasn't. Enough. And you also got there in a place of hate. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing is I that was... F- is that fulfilling? Yeah, like one thing I was even kind of Tell like... us in the comments below. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what please. did you achieve with self-hate that you were really proud of, that you were really happy about, that made you feel good? How um, did you actually feel when you achieved that? You were like, hot damn? Or you were like, well, now I need to go be better and reach the next thing. Mm-hmm. That's not bad, mm-hmm. but also absorb that success. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And like one thing I was even kind of like reading in, uh, what is it? Brianna Weist, her, yeah. her book. Um, she was saying like, talking about like a fulfilling life. And she was like, you know, all these achievements, winning that race, uh, you know, getting that job, buying that car, whatever. Those are products of your life. They are not the goals of life. Um, the goal is to be fulfilled. 
is to feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so if your process of getting to those milestones is not fulfilling to you, then you're not going to be fulfilled when you hit those goals. Mm -hmm. They are the products of a fulfilled life, whatever that looks like for you. They're not the pursuit that they're not the thing that that makes it happen and I just yeah I've been thinking about that for just like days it's a great check-in to have with yourself and I want to know if I've got I guess we've talked about kind of what it can look like to avoid that to the kind of like be at that threshold Mm -hmm. um I want to know for each of you when you're in training what that feels like at the mental and physical level like how do you know how do you check in with yourself to be like, okay, I am a little bit uncomfortable right now. This is an okay place to stay because this is bringing gains, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than, okay, now I'm at my limit. Like I know I'm here kind of thing. Like what does that mental process of checking in with yourself look like? Mm. Honestly, I usually make that decision before the training session even starts because especially mm-hmm. if you're doing those high intensity lifts or those high intensity, really hard swim sets or run sets, mm-hmm. you're going to get probably through the first rep and be like, well, holy shit, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you have any sort of like when you're doing those hard things, if you have any sort of doubt, you need to not shun it, but you need to kind of just stay in the moment and trust mm-hmm. yourself that you're going to make it through. Mm-hmm. If you start feeling like a sharp pain, of course, that's some sort of like acute injury, like, mm-hmm. okay, stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think if you've made the decision, the thoughtful decision beforehand to start that workout, you've also made the decision that you're capable of it mm-hmm. or you're going to, or you're in a place oh, where you're God. capable of attempting it, mm-hmm. but you're not at this risk where um, this injury or illness risk. I know I keep bringing that up, but those are the biggest indicators of kind course, of thing. Yeah. And of course, like acute sharp mm-hmm. pain, don't continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in terms of energy or the the pain threshold of like 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 just building up and this discomfort threshold is probably a better word for it. Like, mm-hmm. nah, you made that decision going in. Time to go for it. Yeah, yeah. Of but and there's nothing know. wrong with. I think I heard a triathlete talk about this on a podcast recently too, where she was like, "There's." We we shame quitting so much, but if you quit in the middle of your workout and it meant that you had adequate recovery, that you got back into the game the next day or the day after, would it be worth it instead of not quitting and then being out for a week or two, you yeah. know, because it led to yeah, injury or whatever. Fair. So I think that it comes back to the, are you checking in with yourself and being honest with the level of capacity that you're at or are you so worried about performance that you are willing to put in the risk of injury, of illness, just to perform this one time when you can perform 10 other times? Yeah. You know? And I think from the athlete perspective, though, that's really hard. Of course. Because if you're yeah. in the middle of that workout, like you, you're going to want to quit. Of course. Yeah. But And mm-hmm. then so it's I think it's something that, that is a balance that's really, really hard to find in mm-hmm. yourself. And that's where having training partners or not even training partner, a coach a coach yeah. that knows you and is observant and knows when to call it because you as the athlete you need to be like I'm going for it because <laughs> that's that's what race day looks like that's what performance day looks like that is going deep to the ends of your abilities mm-hmm. and you do need to practice that to a certain extent in the hard workouts for sure but for yeah sure. I 100% agree with that of like if you're if doing those last few reps is going to set you back where you can't even train for the next week no don't do it mm-hmm. but finding that is either a really really deep sense of self and knowledge about self 
or it's a coach who is monitoring you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I found like with my training, I have a lot of flexibility to move things around. So for me, I'm monitoring like how recovered my body feels Mm -hmm. um, before I'm going into a session, because if I only have three or four sessions in a week, I can easily space them out an extra day or whatever, if I need that extra recovery and I can move that around. Um, I think I've almost come to a point where I need to be a little more okay with not being fully recovered and going into some sessions with Mm -hmm. fatigue, even though I may not perform as well if I just did it the next day, have to be okay with that, especially during certain like seasons of prep. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, even with like kind of my training, I have like a range of what kind of what lifts I'm going to hit. So maybe it's like 10 to 20 pounds difference. And my coach is just like, yeah, if you just want to, if you're feeling like shit and you need to just get it done today, take the lower end of Mm -hmm. the range for your top set of like, you know, squat, entry, deadlift or whatever. Um, if you're feeling pumped, if the warm-up sets are moving nice, they're moving smooth, um, then take the higher end. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, it, a lot of times it is like something that I still battle with. I'm always like, well, I'm going to take the higher end. I'm going to always take yeah. the, take as much as I can, but, um, you know, like letting the, becoming more mindful in the body mm-hmm. and being like, actually, yeah, I'm still feeling more fatigued actually, yeah, I can take this lower end and it's not, I'm not giving in quote unquote, I'm not quitting. I'm not like not giving it my all. I'm being smart about my training. And it's like, yeah, I think there's, there's a bit more wiggle room with, with that kind of thing. And we're also like tracking like rate of perceived exertion. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if this lift should feel like a six out of 10, don't make it a nine out of 10. That's not smart. That's not what we're looking for because we're trying to Mm -hmm. offset fatigue as much as possible. Um, and the more intensity we have, the more or volume, yeah. we, we're going to add more fatigue and we don't want to overdo that or we're not going to see any adaptation. So like kind of, I've, I've been with working with this coach, I've, I've become a lot more intuitive with my body of like, how are, how are those warm sets feeling? Yeah? yeah. Are my legs like really tired? Or are they fresh and ready to go? Mm-hmm. Um, how did that last set move? That felt really good. Okay. Yeah. I'm good to go. Um, and like, and, and kind of coming more in tune with like, how did that feel? Was that an eight? Am I actually going to push like an eight out of 10 or is this me maxing out and just not wanting to admit it to myself? So Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I've started to kind of feel what those different intensities feel like. Yeah. And it it takes time and a lot of learning, but the key point that I really loved there was like intention with intensity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. I was going to say, I feel like it keeps coming back full circle to it's all about trusting yourself and your body and your intuitive cues that are telling you like you can push it harder or you should dial it back today like I don't again yeah. I I emphasize this because I think it's so important like I I feel like we tend to think that our body is always working against us when it is fatigued or it's like telling us to dial it back mm-hmm. but it's working in our favor it just knows how best to get there better than we do mm-hmm. you know yeah. all right well that was incredible <laughs> i i feel like we talked about everything and more that i expected mm-hmm. but uh as is the tradition on the commit to growth podcast every guest 
including when there's two, um, gets a rapid fire round of three questions asked where you have to give the answer in a sentence or less. Ooh. The first two Ooh. questions are the same for every guest and the last one is unique to whoever I have on today. Ooh. So, okay. are y'all ready? All ready. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Sentence or less. All righty. Okay. The okay. first question is, what is your favorite quote? <laughs> okay. Um, That's okay. Okay. First, I have lots of quotes. First one comes to mind is discipline equals freedom. Mm. Oh, snap. Okay. Amy. Oh, okay. I, at first, I was like, the first one that came to mind was, I'm like, this doesn't apply at all, but uh, maybe it does. Mm-hmm. The opposite of love is indifference. It's from a Lumineers song. I know. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to have to marinate on that. I yeah. love that. Okay. Your second question is what song is currently stuck in your head? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, They're called Rapid Fire for a reason. I know. Gotta answer okay. first comes to um, mind. What's Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush? Oh, oh I know. I'm so sorry, but like, not. No, don't be. Not no, was it? So yeah. applicable. Yeah. So applicable. Strange, Stranger Things has been running strong through my brain, even nice. though I finished watching it like three months ago. I still nice. love that song, but okay. We love it. Yeah. Already. Um, I want to be a cowboy baby by CRT. <laughs> oh, Such a good song. Oh my gosh. Oh all right. my god. Well, now you all know what to listen to to get hyped up after this. <laughs> Alrighty. And your third and final question is: um, Say you are in a park somewhere, somewhere unexpected, and somebody comes up to you, complete novice. They're like, "Hey, I, I'm trying to get into athletics. Like, I want to be an athlete." You, what would you tell them that it means to be an athlete? What it means. What it means to be an athlete. Ooh, okay, actually, I think I can take this one. Mm-hmm. I think you are an athlete when you train for performance outcomes. That's like as simple as it is. When mm-hmm. when going to the gym, when exercise, when whatever you're doing is not just um, leisure or I know this is more than one sentence, but. <laughs> Yeah, okay. more than just leisure <laughs> or health, you're training for a goal or for a performance, you're an athlete. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. And one more thing to add. <laughs> I think that was really sentence. helpful <laughs> um, in considering myself an athlete because for a long time I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I love that. All right, Emma. I don't know if I can top that. I think it's totally accurate. It's not about topping. It's no, it's topping. Not topping. Or even like, even to like elaborate on that. Yeah, you're an, you're an athlete when you're when you're fighting for something. Mm. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, I love that. Well, ladies, this was fantastic and long overdue. I am so grateful for both of you. Um, in case the listeners didn't know, these are two of the most incredible women in my life, and I'm so grateful for them every single day. Mary's the and... most incredible woman in my life. Thank <laughs> you. Oh my god. Thank you. Um, where can people find both of you after this? Ooh, uh, catch me at the McKinnon building at UVic. <laughs> Your social media. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, no, I, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I know. I know you meant social media, but I was like, nah, find me. Actually, find me in the concussion lab. Uh, um, anyways, little, little, little drop there. Anyways, no. Um, 
follow me on Instagram. You're going to dig me in this post, of course. But yes. Emma Louise underscore, or no, Emma underscore Louise dot S. It's really punctuation heavy. So sorry, guys. <laughs> Emma Scog on Facebook. I do an appear have an appearance on Twitter, but I'm pretty sure it's a picture of when I was like 12. So don't nice. go there. Nice. Alternatively, you can find her on the cover of Triathlon Canada. Ooh. Woo! <laughs> and Amy? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Catch oh. me on LinkedIn. I'm a scholar. <laughs> Real talk. Real talk. Real, talk. Real professional talk. Yeah. Okay. Um, if, yeah, don't find me. I'm hiding. Um, you know, <laughs> we want to see I just really want to see something funny after I did. Um, I'm also on instagram mm-hmm. amy with two eyes dot g i think and then if you want to watch my shitty form videos put to music um, i have uh amy likes number two lift and that's um yes. where we've got more of the training updates and yeah. i like to make silly reels with all my training videos yes so. they both post incredibly motivational content so don't miss it they will be both tagged at the bottom of this post if you want to see more if you're as in love with them as I am um and thank you for being here I love you both and we'll chat soon I hope thanks wonderful thanks for having us how was that for a stimulating passionate motivating conversation on fitness everybody i hope you loved this conversation as much as i did and i hope that you are as in love with amy as emma as i am they're pretty hard not to fall deeply in love with after hearing them around for even the first time so all that to say thank you for being here thank you for tuning in this week i hope that this conversation helped you as much as it helped me and i hope that moving forward in athletics you will give yourself a permission to enjoy it and to relish what it is there to give you which is so much more than suffering and results and of course all of that is exciting but it is also about the journey that you take through fitness towards yourself and towards discovering what you are capable of. So all that being said, thank you for being here again this week and I hope you enjoyed that. If you want more regular updates on the uh, podcast episodes, you can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Commitment to Growth Podcast and you can also check out the main platform which is at Commitment to Growth which is my personal training and personal growth uh, platform that I am using to bridge the worlds of fitness and personal growth together to give you more holistic health and a more holistic approach to health at that. Uh, If you haven't had enough of me on these episodes yet, you can also register to be on the Commitment to Growth newsletter, which is a weekly, bi-weekly, depending on the week, (laughs) newsletter that I send out with wellness resources and some quotes and some perspective shifters for you to consider so you can hear more from me and get some more stimulating uh, information resources for personal growth for your own journey supplied by yours truly and if you want to have you know have any questions about the episode you want to be a guest on it you can dm me right on instagram or you can email me it's at commitment to growth pod at gmail.com and i would be more than happy to stir up some conversation with you there I believe that is everything for this week. Again, your presence is so appreciated here. I love you all so, so much, and I will see you in the next episode.